You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Good evening and welcome to episode 154 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. No Abrams for this one, so it'll just be Cody and Melbourne. Great to be with you post-World Juniors and uh, halfway through this NHL season, which is uh, what we're going to be focusing on. But first of all, Chad, how are you? I'm doing great, man. And you mentioned it, post-World Juniors. What a tournament that was. Like we we were talking about it in in our group chat, me, you, and Casey, and like we all agreed, I think at least, that this was one of the best tournaments, World Junior tournaments that we've seen in recent memory. It was that good. One hundred percent. Those final two games, like I watched both of them, start to finish, the bronze game and the gold medal game, two of the the best hockey games I've ever seen. Not the best, but. It's up there for sure, man. That was a tournament for the ages. 100%. And like the gold medal game, I was in Florida watching it. So uh, myself and and Paige's dad, Tony, we had to get the games on. So, yeah. uh, you know, and then as soon as it goes to overtime, you know, you'd think, you know, when you're cheering for a team, you get a bit nervous and everything. And that was there. That was definitely present. But I think because it wasn't the NHL teams that we follow, we were kind of able to step back and appreciate the moment a bit more and just be like, hey, what's better than this? Like, this is the best version of the World Juniors we've gotten in a long time. And you know, not only overtime in the gold medal game, but the upsets that came previously in the tournament. Chechia beating Canada in game one to open the tournament. That was a big upset, but there were other ones as well. And then also Connor Bedard. Like the story of the tournament was Connor Bedard breaking, not only breaking, but smashing basically every record you can think of except for uh, number one in most points for the tournament. He still trails. Uh, uh, Peter Forsberg and Marcus Nasland. I believe he's third right now all time in, in terms of uh, points in one single tournament. But aside from that, like this guy night in, night out was smashing records. And it's just it was incredible to watch. And now he's back in the WHL and his first game back, he had six points. I think he had four goals or something. So yep. the kid isn't stopping anytime soon. He's going to go first overall. He was the story of the tournament. And that was just incredible to watch, especially because because, you know, obviously he's draft eligible. Like this isn't the kind of production that you see from a draft eligible player. So that was just so special to watch and uh, just what a great tournament overall. And again, uh, I think everybody in North America has seen the clip by now, but uh, his post-game interview after that gold medal game and how he stopped the reporter and said, we're not talking about me. I don't want to talk about myself right now. And just focused on the team and how much it meant to him and to be with his teammates and everything. And that's coming from a 17-year-old kid. I shared it on my Instagram and I said, high character and high-end talent. This kid has it all. And whether it's Chicago, Arizona, Columbus, whoever gets him first overall in the 2023 NHL draft, just 
life-changing, franchise-altering. This kid is something else. So congratulations again to Team Canada on a job well done and winning back-to-back gold medals. 100%. And I was thinking about that too, like the upcoming draft, and obviously he's going to be selected first overall. There are some sneaky teams at the bottom of the league right now who have really good prospects prospect pools who would absolutely... Like well, I mean, like you said, their franchise would be altered forever if they got Connor Bedard. Like, think about Columbus taking Connor Bedard yeah. with the the stacked prospect pool they already have. Like, you know, Columbus right now is missing a number one center. Bedard hops in next season, more than likely. You know, and, and that just it, it would change that franchise. And I think Columbus is a sneaky team at the bottom of the standings right now. You know, like. I mean, a team like San Jose, I think they're kind of still on the downtrend and a team like Philadelphia, same thing and some other teams at the bottom. But Columbus, that's one team I've looked at that I don't think has gotten a lot of coverage in terms of being getting the first overall pick. But if they're able to win the lottery, man, like Corey Morrell is going to be a happy camper. That's for sure. Oh, uh, getting him. Fantilli or Leo Carlson for that matter it would solve a huge issue for them and that is having that true franchise number one center so anyway it's going to be interesting to see uh the watches on for Bedard and the rest of that draft class which is just disgusting by the way it's it's going to be a good draft anyway all right let's get off of that again congratulations to team canada on their gold in halifax and uh let's get into our betting corner again we're doing this at the top of every podcast every single monday and it is brought to you by our friends at betstamp Yeah, so welcome once again to the Boys in the Booth betting corner. Like you mentioned, Harper, presented by our newest sponsor and our friends at BetStamp, the line shopping app for all sports bettors. Essentially, betting lines have different odds at each sports book, and by using the BetStamp app, you can line shop across all of those sports books uh, to ensure that you're finding the best value available for the bets that you would already be making. So, my bet for this week, Harper, it's a pretty simple one. Uh, it's New Jersey Devil. It's the New Jersey Devils, Casey's team, to beat Carolina tomorrow night because they're the underdogs in that game by quite a bit, uh, you know, given New Jersey's track record this season. Uh, they haven't been underdogs in many games this season. So the fact that they are an underdog after kind of a, a bit of a tough skid against Carolina is, uh, I think there's some value to be had there. Carolina has been very hot with wins recently, one of the hottest teams in the NHL, quite frankly. So you might be thinking about this pick and, and thinking, you know, that it's crazy. Why are you betting against Carolina? Well, I'm just playing the probabilities here, and when I look at New Jersey, it's a team who's been on a bit of a skid, but all of their underlying numbers have remained uh, relatively the same, and some have even gotten better, so that tells me that they're just getting unlucky in a lot of different categories. So I expect New Jersey to bounce back pretty soon, and the thing with Carolina is uh, kind of the opposite story. They've been winning a lot of games, but their numbers really haven't changed uh, underlying, that is, aside from adding a guy like Max Pacioretty to the mix. So picking the Devils to beat Carolina tomorrow night, and I'll be doing that on BetSafe or FanDuel. Both of those books have the best odds at plus 130. Uh, And just for a frame of reference here, if you're line shopping, the worst odds on that bet is uh, plus 120 at BetMGM, BetVictor, BWIN, Party Poker, and Rivalry. So Harp, I have to ask, will you be riding that bet New Jersey tomorrow night to beat Carolina? 
Well, I think uh, I think you're two for two on your on your bet predictions. I will I will ride that that the Devils will beat the Hurricanes. The Hurricanes have been on a heater lately, winning a ton of games in a row. They've been red hot, and now I think they're due for a bit of a uh, a bit of a lull. Not a big one because they're a very good hockey team and they're in first place and in, in that Metro Division. And Pyotr Kachetkov has been quite the story for them in goal. The guy could be a, a a Calder Trophy winner this year, but I just think that they've been so hot that now they're due for a bit of a lull, just like with the New Jersey Devils after they won 13 games in a row. Now they've kind of gone through that lull, and now I think it's time for them to um, get a little bit hot again, like we saw earlier in the season. So yeah, I'll take that. Devils over the Canes. I like it. All right. Sounds good. Throw a couple bucks on it. Like I said, best odds are plus 130 at Safe and FanDuel. So I'll definitely be doing that and uh, hoping for the best. Last week, or was it two weeks ago now? Or it, it was last week. I picked Callie Yarncroak uh, yeah. to score. And uh, dude, like just looking back at his production, he had three points last night for the Maple Leafs. He's been all over the ice. He's solidified himself now as that second line left winger. Another fantasy uh, diamond in the rough, you might say, um, going forward this week as well. So when we get to fantasy corner, maybe I'll bring uh, Kelly Arncroke up again. But uh, point is, he's been fantastic for the Leafs. A couple things I wanted to, to mention that, first of all, I have never heard uh, Pyotr Kachikov. Kachekov. Kachekov's. Yeah. I had never heard his name said out loud until you just did today. So thank you for that. <laughs> no um, worries. <laughs> I thought that was great. He's in a bit of a, a difficult situation, though, because Antti Ranta's coming back and uh, Freddie Anderson is there, of course. So the two of them uh, are the guys. So either they're going to have to trade a guy like Antti Ranta or maybe they see there's more value in moving a guy like uh, Freddie Anderson, or they're going to have to send Kachetkov down again, and uh, he'll have to play in the American League. I don't know how you can send down Kachetkov. Like, I know. He's he's a young kid. He looks like their future netminder. I think Ranta will end up being the odd man out. Uh, he is a UFA this summer, if I'm not mistaken. I, I believe both him and Freddie are. So Yeah. So um now we'll we'll see what they what they want to do. Um but I, I I could see Ranta being the odd man out. But again, like it's like the same situation that the Buffalo Sabres are in with Uko Pekalukin and Eric Comrie has been playing a few games in Rochester on a conditioning stint. He's coming back from an injury. You have Craig Anderson, but you have Uko Pekalukunen, who's been lights out for them lately. How can you send him down when he's been playing well? And it's the same situation for Carolina, and Kachekov has been unbelievable. So yeah. I don't know how you can send him down, but I, I, if I were a betting man, I would say that Ranta would be the odd man out. Well, we are in the betting corner, so that's fitting. <laughs> if you're a betting man, that's you're betting on Ranta being the odd man out. But uh, the thing is, like you say, how can you send him down? I'll tell you how. Uh, he doesn't require waivers. You know that but, is true, and like, it's the same thing with UPL as well. Exactly. I get that, but at the same time, it's like what, especially in Buffalo's case, what kind of message are you sending to your fans? If you're sending down someone who's played really well for you and is finally starting to look like 
that goalie of the future that you imagined he would turn into. So I don't mm-hmm. know. We'll we'll see, but I would expect that both of these guys will just stay where they are because they've been playing so well. Yeah. Okay. So that was my first first point that I had never heard Kachekov's name said out loud. <laughs> I've just read it and kind of looked at all of the consonants in the name and thought, nope, I'll just remember it in my head and never say it out loud. <laughs> so thanks for that. The second yeah. point, uh, while we're still in, in betting corner here, um, brought to you by Betstamp, of course, um, is uh, I must admit, I got this from the Data Draft Fantasy Hockey YouTube channel. If you don't follow Data Draft, um, they're the reason why I've been so good in both my fantasy leagues this year. I follow uh, their content pretty religiously, but they brought up a bit of uh, uh, some betting advice in their most recent episode. And uh, the betting advice was Jack Hughes over on the shot prop because. In his last uh, seven games played, he hasn't had fewer than five shots in a game. And that dates back to December 21st. In those seven games, he's averaging nearly seven shots per game. He has nine goals, 12 points, and he's just been on an absolute tear. So that's another bet that you could use Betstamp for. Look at the best value on the over-under for uh, Jack Hughes shot prop and just hammer the over because he's been hitting that every time. Now, I would give you the the numbers on, on where to bet and where the best odds are using the Betstamp app. Unfortunately, those odds won't come out until tomorrow on all the major books. So you'll have to go there and do it yourself. And when you do uh, download the Betstamp app in the App Store, just make sure to provide the uh, code BOYS IN THE BOOTH in all caps when prompted, just to let them know that we sent you. So again, that's another one for the betting corner is Jack Hughes over on his shot prop, which is usually around uh, four and a half, maybe five and a half now that he's been uh, uh, hot recently. But like I said, he's been averaging over seven shots a game. So it's a literal no brainer. It's free money. I'll be doing that tomorrow for sure. Uh, Again, don't have the odds in front of me, but I will get them tomorrow using the Betstamp app. Perfect. All right. Another edition of the Boys in the Booth betting corner presented by Betstamp. All right, Chad, let's get into uh, our main topic of this episode, and that is uh, biggest surprises, either positive or negative ones uh, so far uh, midway through this NHL season because we are at about that point, the midway mark of this 22-23 NHL campaign, and there have been a handful of surprises so far. So let's get yours, positive or negative, and I know that you have some honorable mentions as well. Yeah, for sure. So like always in these things, I have a bunch of honorable mentions, just things that you know we won't be able to do a full episode talking about, but topics I wanted to kind of mention uh, off the cuff just to make sure that you know the people know that we know that these things are going on. So number one is uh, the Devils are good this season, so we're the Kraken, and uh, the Bruins are incredible, and I think all of those are pretty big surprises, some more than others, but those are just three teams that uh, have been positive surprises for sure to start the season. Uh, I shouldn't say to start the season; we're at the halfway mark, so. At the halfway mark of the season, uh, I think it's pretty, um, 
I think it's pretty reasonable to say that those three teams have been positive surprises. And then for negative surprises, talking about teams here, uh, I'm looking at the Ottawa Senators, the Florida Panthers, number one, uh, and also just the Central Division. The Central Division has been pretty weak this year, and uh, some are even now ranking it as the fourth best division in the NHL, even below the Pacific. So uh, the Central has not been good, and I think a big part of that is uh, the Avalanche having so many injuries and not being able to absolutely dominate the division but that's another honorable mention those uh, you know the few teams there uh, not having a good start in terms of players i think some positive honorable mentions here tage thompson of course i know you'll like that one he's having an incredible oh. year who would have thought that he would be um you know just absolutely dominating like and looking like mario lemieux in your words harp so that's an honorable mention linus olmark another one is just has having an incredible year for boston that uh, one hurts that one hurts for sure for you <laughs> as, as a sabers fan <laughs> yep but yeah Allmark has been good and sticking with the goalie trend a few goalies last year who were quite frankly terrible and unplayable at times this year have been really good so uh martin jones carter hart and karel vamalka have all been incredible this season so i wanted to mention them as well and then in terms of players on uh the the negative side here sort of uh disappointing at the halfway mark i think you could say and it's kind of wild that I bring this player up, but Austin Matthews, you know, it's disappointing that he's not currently leading the NHL in goals, despite the fact that he has 20, he's over a point per game. He should be a Selkie candidate, um, you know, but when you win the Hart Trophy and the Rocket and the Ted Lindsay, you know, expectations are extremely high. So Matthews this year is having a bit of a mess season, but uh, by his standards, that is, but he's been pretty good overall so harp general thoughts on all of those kind of honorable mentions before i get into uh the biggest surprise in my opinion so far yeah i mean uh you mentioned a team in there who i'm going to be talking about and and uh, i won't give it away but no a lot of good stuff there players and teams um one big one for me the seattle kraken and i know that they had a really good start to the season they kind of went through a low point and you know i was watching uh videos from thg uh the hockey guy there that we always check out on on youtube and um you know he said a couple of weeks ago that, oh, or a week ago or so that I don't know if this team is ready to be a playoff team yet, but they beat the Ottawa Senators eight to four over the weekend. <laughs> I saw their record and they are like 10, 11 games over 500. I, I had no dude. idea their record was as good as it is. Maddie Beneers, I think is the leading candidate for rookie of the year. Um, they, they've, they've been excellent. And Martin Jones, could be the comeback player of the year. He's been excellent for them in goal. And uh, who could forget that this guy won a Stanley Cup as a backup with the Los Angeles Kings. He took the San Jose Sharks to the finals as well. And uh, he's been playing really well for Seattle. And that Pacific division is kind of all over the place. You've got Vegas and the LA Kings. You've got Edmonton and Calgary who have kind of been up and down. Seattle keeps this up, man. Uh, they will be a playoff team, no doubt. So that's probably the biggest surprise for me out of the ones that you mentioned. Yeah, and I mean, I just want to say at the start of the year, 
I had Seattle as a playoff team, a bubble playoff team, and I had them as a bubble playoff team last year if they got average goaltending. Last year, it was the case where Philip Grubauer forgot how to play hockey, and he was the worst goalie in the NHL. Uh, And Martin Jones, it was a similar story. This year, they just had... They just needed one guy to give you average or above average goaltending. Martin Jones is currently doing that. And, you know, I looked back on our Instagram account uh, a couple weeks ago, and I think it was Alex Stevenson. So, Stevie, if you're listening, a buddy of mine, we used to play together in Junior B. Uh, The take from me on Instagram that was posted was that the Seattle Kraken are uh, a bubble playoff team. And that was at the start of the year. And Stevie said... Chad, that's laughable. They're nowhere near a bubble playoff team. They're tanking for Bedard, uh, this and that. And I just, you know, I've believed in this team for a while. They added in the offseason. Those ads have been working out really well for them. Jared McCann has emerged as, uh, you know, maybe a superstar. You can call him that. He's not necessarily an elite player like, um, you know, some of the other absolute stars around the league but he's a superstar on his team him and Matty Beneers so you know it's been a good year for the Kraken and they've been getting goaltending and I'm just saying that uh, you know it's surprising that they're this good but generally I'm not overly shocked that uh, that they're in a playoff spot this far into the season and if they fell out a couple points you know and, and did miss the playoffs wouldn't shock me if they made the playoffs and uh you know beat out the ninth place team in the west by a couple points wouldn't shock me either so i i think you know they're right where i kind of had them and i'm happy to see it because as you know i'm a, a massive crackhead so love when the kraken <laughs> are doing well just think about when they get shane Wright for the next couple years him and maddie Beneers as a one-two punch like that's gonna be insane and Beneers, like you mentioned as a calder candidate he's probably the front runner right now and uh he he's on pace for like 60 plus points so it's awesome to see love seattle i guess you could say to some people it was a surprise um so that's why i brought them up as an honorable mention excellent all right let's get your main uh biggest surprise halfway through the season so far sure and and this i i mentioned before we started talking i don't know if this is the biggest surprise of the year but um for me as a maple leafs fan this is a big surprise for me and it's a positive one so uh it's a player on the back end he shoots right and he's a new maple leaf and you're shaking your head you know who i'm talking about it's connor timmons uh this has been a great surprise for the maple leaves i think he has played his way into this lineup uh as a full-time nhler i think the only problem for timmons on the back end uh in toronto is that there are six other guys who are pretty good as well in the lineup when everybody's healthy so for timmons i think he's earned a spot as a full-time nhler um even if that's the sixth or seventh defenseman and it's been a great surprise he has 10 points in 12 games with the maple leafs prior to coming to toronto 
He had just seven points in 41 games, uh, stretched across two and a half seasons. So it's been incredible the offensive production from Timmons, which has been a, a you know a massive surprise for me because when we acquired the guy, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I don't think any Maple Leafs fan knew what to expect. He had been hurt. He had been uh, you know kind of buried in the minors for a bit. You know, he was a high pick. But it didn't really seem like things were going well. And then all of a sudden, this guy just can't stop getting assists. And he scored his first goal the other night. And it's just been such a refreshing surprise for the Maple Leafs, who at times this season have been using their 10th and 11th best defensemen. So that's been incredible for me to watch. And like I mentioned, when everybody's healthy, I legitimately don't know who the Leafs should scratch on the right side or even on the left side for that exa- uh, for, for that reason, if you think that that's uh, you know, the, the way to go. But I think Timmons has played his way into this NHL lineup, and uh, I don't think he's going anywhere for a long time. I think he really fits. I absolutely agree with you. And if you can remember when they made this deal, I was like, this is a good one for the Maple Leafs. I like Connor Timmons a lot. By the way, fun fact about him, um, one green eye, one brown eye, which is which is kind of interesting. Didn't know that. Yeah. So, but look, this guy was a, a a very good player in college. He was a late first round pick of the Colorado Avalanche, and I know that uh, he was a big part of that Darcy Kemper trade with the Arizona Coyotes. They they really wanted him. They really liked him, and I think that the injury bug and um, the numbers game when it came to defensemen in Arizona kind of hurt him a little bit. So he gets a fresh start. He goes to a contending team. Obviously, there's the the Dubas Keefe connection with him with uh, the Sioux Greyhounds. He's big. He's gotten some power play time, and uh, this kid just needed a chance to play and needed a chance to get healthy again and really show what he can do. And he's still young, and you know it's not like he has a big number attached to him as well. So again, it's like when we were talking about the the goaltenders, UPL and Kachekov. If somebody is playing well in your lineup. Why change that? Why take them out? Why send them down? Whatever. So I absolutely agree with you that Connor Timmons has been a great fit on that blue line. He's given them a boost. And um, don't take him out of the lineup. Yeah, and they did take him out of the lineup the other night. And, you know, because everybody was healthy, they were running Riley Brody, Geo Hall, Sandine Lilligren. You know, uh, Riley Brody has been a stable pairing for the last two years now and you know you don't need to change that you know exactly what that is geo hall has been really good defensively especially when there were a ton of injuries earlier in the year they that pairing had to step up as the leafs number one pairing eat a lot of tough minutes kill penalties so that pairing's been really good as well and then sandine lilligren two younger guys playing third pair minutes against lesser competition have been dominating the expected goals and the Corsi and the chances and they've been having really good showing so it's like who do you take out of the lineup you know it, it to to insert connor timmons well the other night 
Brody on the second half of back-to-back the Leafs wanted to rest him and and get him some extra time because he is coming off of an injury and you know you want to make sure that your best players are feeling their best when they're playing so Brody comes out of the lineup Connor Timmons goes in after being uh, a healthy scratch for a couple games in a row scores his first NHL goal and picks up a helper as well so you know you don't expect a player like Timmons on the Leafs who might play 12 to 15 minutes a night to kind of carry the offense from the back end but he is making it really difficult on Sheldon Keefe to scratch him uh, over some other guys on the team like it's a good problem that the Leafs have right now having Timmons as their sixth or seventh uh, best defenseman when everybody's healthy and uh, he's fit in really really nicely and I will say too uh, you know despite the fact that he's been producing offensively I don't expect that to keep up Um, that's not the reason I like Connor Timmons so much I like him because he's been okay defensively I haven't noticed many glaring issues I'd have to look at his underlying numbers to confirm that eye test but also I've really noticed that he makes a good composed and responsible first pass out of the zone that's something that he does really well and it's been refreshing because you know there have been a lot of players on the back end in in Toronto who have you know not had that kind of poise to say the least um dating years back so he's been a great fit i'm high on the player and i've liked what he's done in toronto so far what i will say is that despite the fact that i like him uh i'm not calling for morgan riley's head uh you know like some other leaf fans have been don't need to trade the guy uh having both is great and uh connor timmons is not morgan riley so make sure you you check yourself before you say that but i've loved the player for sure yeah, absolutely. No, I, I am a big fan of Connor Timmons as well. This is a great surprise that you've picked. It's a great problem for the Leafs, as you mentioned. And I think it takes some of that pressure off of Kyle Dubas to go out and get another defenseman at the trade deadline. They found this guy on a reasonable number and he's young and they know him and everything and he's played really well so that's that's another big thing i think for for your leafs for sure this podcast is sponsored by liquid iv winter is back whether you're playing pond hockey or nursing an eggnog hangover this holiday season liquid iv has you covered Just one stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. It's made with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks, premium ingredients, non-GMO, and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. There are plenty of awesome flavors too, but my personal favorite is lemon lime. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the promo code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth. That's 20% off anything when you order using the promo code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today with Liquid IV. This podcast is sponsored by the ticket app SeatGeek. SeatGeek takes all the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link in the description down below to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. 
Alrighty, let's get into my biggest surprise midway through the NHL season. I've just got one, and uh, no, I'm not going to talk about how well the Buffalo Sabres have been playing. You and, could have, though. Uh, uh, yes, I, I could for sure, but I just I do not want to put any bad luck on my <laughs> on my hockey team whatsoever so um anyway and you know i i just i don't want to come on and every chance i get you know i, I don't want to just talk about my uh my sabers so i'm going to talk about the florida panthers as a negative surprise midway through the season you mentioned them earlier on but uh yeah th- this team just isn't the same man 18 19 and 4 through 41 games two points behind Buffalo in that Atlantic division and six points out of that second wild card spot in the East who would have thought that the defending President's Trophy winners would be in this position. I watched them yesterday. They lost 5-1 to the Dallas Stars. And I mean, Dallas is a good team, but man, like that was that was a game that Buffalo, or the, excuse me, that Florida really needed to win. And at this point, they have to be lights out. Like they have to go on a big run in order to get in and have a solidified playoff spot. Um, you know, I think this goes back, and, and we heard Elliot Friedman talk about this. I think that um, tensions were high. People were pissed off in that organization after the loss to Tampa in the playoffs, and they wanted to really shake things up and be a tougher team to play against. Well, they certainly did that with the Kachuk trade. And although Kachuk has been fantastic and he certainly is a, an elite player, um, they gave away two huge parts of their core in Huberto and Uyghur. And I think it's drastically changed the makeup of this team. And Paul Maurice as well was kind of a surprise hire behind the bench. I figured that after he resigned in Winnipeg that he was going to be done. One of those old school kind of coaches. And I'm not trying to bash Paul Maurice at all, but I just don't know if it's been the best fit. And um, I just I just can't believe this is where we're at with this team. You know, I figured that uh, the four in the Atlantic, that top four would stay the same. And then teams like Ottawa, Detroit, and Buffalo would be kind of fighting it out and, you know, um, maybe get into the race. But that that top four would stay the same because it's been so long to break up for a long time now. And you'd think, too, like, despite the changes, that Florida would be a lot better than a game under 500 midway through the season, especially after winning the President's Trophy last year. But it's just not the same team. The makeup is different. They don't have that high-flying offense that they did last season. <clears throat> the depth isn't there, especially on the back end mm-hmm. without Mackenzie Weger. And we know that Aaron Ekblad, as good as he is, is injury-prone. Um, yes, Forsling, Montour, those guys are great, but man, it's looking thin back there. I will say though, a bit of a positive is that Josh Mahura, who they got off of waivers from Anaheim does lead them in plus minus, which is a, which is a positive, but it's just not enough. And guys up front that aren't having the years that they did last year, Sam Bennett is not quite on the pace that he was last year, for example, and, uh, and, and the list goes on. So, um, 
Um, and then the goaltending as well. Uh, Spencer Knight is still a young kid. He's been definitely better out of the two, but still not great. He's got a 906 save percentage. And then Sergei Bobrovsky, like he's got a losing record, an 895 save percentage. Not to mention <clears throat> that he makes $10 million a season and he's in his late 30s. So that does not make things easier for this team. And Chad, like if they wanted to go and get someone at the deadline, if they wanted to make a big splash, what are they going to give a team? <laughs> They've traded away all of their assets. Like, geez, I don't think they have a first round pick for the next 20 years, it seems like. Like they've just, and another thing that I should mention as well, I was on Tankathon last night just to do the simulator. I like to do that every now and then because it's fun and, you know, you see how the, the order shakes out. I know that you do that as well, and I'm sure Case does, but I believe their pick that went to Montreal in the Ben Sherratt deal, by the way, lo not lottery protected, was ninth. So oh. we're looking at a couple of scenarios here. Florida missing the playoffs, which is looking more and more likely right now if they continue this inconsistent play, and the Montreal Canadiens to have two picks inside of the top 10. It's, it, it's just, it's been a nightmare for the Panthers. They have completely effed themselves <laughs> with everything that they've done. Um, I, I know that you agree with me here. Just a thought on the Panthers. Yeah, I mean... Talking about being outside of a playoff spot right now, Money Puck currently has the the Florida Panthers with an 18.8% chance of making the playoffs this year. This is the reigning President's Trophy winning team, as you mentioned, that isn't only going to miss the playoffs, but they're probably going to miss by a wide margin because the Metro is so good and it'll likely be three teams from the Atlantic and five teams from the Metro. At least that's how it's shaking out to be right now at the mid midway mark of the season. But like it's the midway mark of the season. We are 41 plus games into this year. And what's the date that we usually talk about, you know, for playoff teams? If, you, if you're if you not in the playoffs by this date, um, you're likely not going to make that uh, the playoffs. What what date is that, Harper? It's American Thanksgiving. Exactly. Like it's, you're, you're going back to November. Now That's here we are. Ago. In, yeah, exactly. Now here we are in almost the middle of January. And this is the spot that they're in. They are outside of a playoff spot looking in. They, okay, I want to go back to the trade. The Kachuk trade, they sent Huberto and Uyghur for Kachuk. And when that trade happened, we were like, okay, maybe it was the case that neither of those players wanted to sign long extensions and play in Florida, whatever. Maybe they won't even sign in Calgary. And so maybe at the end of the day, uh, the Panthers who get Kachuk might be making out like bandits because I think it was safe to say that he was the best player of the three. The problem is both of those guys signed long-term deals in Calgary and, you know, they haven't been incredible this year, but there's two of them and there's only one Matt Kachuk who I guess isn't the play driver on offense we thought he was like clearly he's a very very good player like we said the best of the three more than likely depending who you ask but I think the best of the three uh, yeah. plays a good two-way game scores goals has had a great season but you need other things 
to win, right? And now I think the Panthers are looking at that trade and looking at their back end and then at the trade and then at their back end and going, uh-oh, like this isn't good. We're missing a, a big piece here. And it's it's Mackenzie Weger, who I think arguably was the most important piece of the trade because their back end is not scary at all. It wasn't a strength for them after they lost, uh, you know, a guy like Ben Sherratt in the offseason. And now not only is it not a strength, but it's a weakness. And we're seeing that weakness kind of translate into what's happening with their goaltending. You know, last year, the big story was Bobrovsky is back. He's back on the case. He's, you know, we're seeing Vesna caliber Bobrovsky that we saw a decade ago. And, uh, you know, that was a large reason why the Panthers were able to win so many games and come back in so many games over the season because Bobrovsky was holding down the fort. You know, he was, I believe, top 10 in goal saved above expected. I looked at it earlier, but I, I kind of forget. I think he had over 20 uh, goal saved above expected, maybe closer to 25. This year, both him and Spencer Knight have been below average, like the numbers you mentioned. I think Bob has like an 895 and uh, yep. negative 895, yeah, and negative goal saved above expected. Both him and Spencer Knight do. So, you know, it's not going well in in net between the pipes for the Panthers, and I think maybe some of that has to do with the the poor defense in front of them that they detracted from. Also, too, like you mentioned last season, so many things up front went right for the Panthers. You know, you had so many players having breakout seasons, scoring way more goals than they were generating, outperforming their expected goals. And like, this is something that I think Casey and I both mentioned in our season previews when we had the Panthers to finish, I think third, maybe fourth in the Atlantic. Like that's not going to happen, but that's what we predicted because, you know, we thought the margin for error, you know, was, was there, but not as high as it is uh, as we're seeing this season, but I th- that was something that we mentioned. You know, they had several guys who had career years, and uh, you know, clearly it's not as easily repeatable as some people thought. So, a lot of things went right for the Panthers last year. This season, not a lot of things are going right at all. In fact, a lot of things are going wrong, and it's been caused by a ton of factors, a ton of different factors, a kind of a ton of different compounding factors and when they are all mixed up together like this is what the outcome is it's the panthers showing their true colors they're not that great and you know say what you will about the panthers of last year you know whether they got lucky or were actually that good that doesn't matter now because the panthers of this year are a different team and they are not that good their core is different and uh, it's just not good enough in the nhl where parity is at its highest it's been in a long time and uh you know you need to be good every single night so last thing i want to say on this is uh you know let this be a warning to the teams out there who are thinking of shaking up their core for the sake of shaking up their core you know look at a team like florida who did just that and whether you think they won or lost the trade they moved out two core pieces and brought in another piece to add to their new core, okay? Because they wanted to shake it up. They wanted to be tougher to play against. And uh, it was kind of a rash decision. Well, contrast that decision by the Panthers with the other team in Florida, the Tampa Bay Lightning, who got swept 
by the Columbus Blue Jackets all those years ago in the first round. There were rumors swirling that maybe they should blow up their core or shake it up, make some trades, and, and change up the makeup of their team. Tampa Bay, Julian Breezebois said, nope, we're not going to do that. We're going to stick with it. And look at where the two teams are right now. We've got a former President's Trophy winner in the Florida Panthers who are now going to miss the playoffs. And then we have the Tampa Bay Lightning who won back-to-back Stanley Cups and went to the Cup Final three years in a row. So let it be a lesson to all the GMs out there that maybe don't make a trade for the sake of making a trade. Exactly. And again, before we we wrap up on this and, and go to Fantasy Corner to finish off this episode, um, like, don't make emotional hockey decisions, I, I think. Because again, we heard Elliot Friedman talk about it, that um, there were a lot of pissed off people and, and things really needed to cool down in that organization after losing to their big brother, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I get it. It's the team in the same state that's been so dominant for so long. You're trying to get there. You're constantly being compared and you're constantly under the Tampa Bay Lightning. But man, you have to be careful with making hockey decisions and uh, it's backfired so far for the Panthers. Mm -hmm. Alrighty. So do do you want to do fantasy corner for for this episode? Yeah, let's do it quick. I did not realize that we're like 45 minutes in, but yeah, let's, (laughs) let's do it quick here because uh, I'm sure there are some, some people who play in the fantasy league who want to hear some of it. So let's get into fantasy corner then. Okay, well, you uh, you kick us off with uh, your matchup last week. Okay, let me just pull it up quick. Last week, I played uh, the Meatheads, none other than the Meatheads, the team who despises me the most. And, uh, you know, from their performance last week, like, I don't know what to think about this team because, Harper, I absolutely rolled over this team you know like with one of those cement trucks that paves the way like it just <laughs> collapsed them you know ran them over like a tube of toothpaste that's what it that's what it was at the end of the week the week finished 231 to 152 me over the meatheads and i'm currently still in second place because kuznetsov's third line has not lost a game yet but last week was just I mean, I think in my opinion, a bit of an anomaly for me because every single guy, I think, performed above expected. A guy like Bo Horvat had 24 and a half points. Brad Marchand had 31 points. Uh, JT Miller with 24.75. Travis Konechny, who has been on an absolute tear, and I was happy when he scored against the Leafs because of fantasy. He had 27 points for me last week. Uh, the list goes on. You know, Connor Hellebuck is winning games left and right. Uh, uh, Sprong, who I picked up, had 15 points. Bit of a quiet week for Timo Meyer, 13.75. Dougie Hamilton was 17. So I was just getting points up and down the lineup. It wasn't even close. And uh, the Meatheads, I don't know what happened if they stopped setting their lineup once they realized they were getting pummeled or what, but it was an absolute route from start to finish. Not once was I concerned uh, about fantasy that week, and uh, I barely paid attention. This week, Harper, will be an interesting oh, one. Oh, boy. Because you and I are playing each other, the multiple scoregasms versus the Sunnyvale hockey team. And, uh, you know, games haven't started yet. 
So it's still zip zip, but it the projections right now are 207 for me to 157 for you, but I I don't think that's entirely accurate because I don't believe you set your lineup for the entire week just this day. So you like to do that sneak attack, but I'm hopeful that I'll win this week. I will say though, um the Sunnyvale hockey team is currently sitting in a playoff spot right now. They're sitting in seventh. You're yeah, in a playoff baby. spot, Harp. So uh, maybe I should take this week a bit more seriously than I would have if it were a few weeks ago. But uh, I'm expecting, I'm hoping to win this week. Um, and just to conclude uh, my portion of the fantasy corner here, I will say that over the next two weeks, um, the Philadelphia Flyers starting next week and then uh, obviously the week after that over those next two weeks the Philadelphia Flyers have uh, a crazy schedule next week it's a bit of a, a weird one in the NHL they have five games so next week if you're looking for a player to pick up um, or even if you do it on a Sunday there are a ton of players on Philadelphia who are currently available in uh, some leagues that aren't as deep as ours, for example, like uh, JVR is a player who I often see on the waiver wire. Owen Tippett, another player. I believe both of those guys are left wing and right wing eligible as well. So the Flyers have a great schedule coming up. Um, Those are uh, a couple players you could take from the Flyers going forward. This week, there are a handful of teams that play four games. Uh, One of them is Seattle. So I'm actually going to hold on to Sprong, who I picked up last week, and uh, see what he can do for me this week because he's dual eligible as well, left wing and right wing. Um, Yeah, like I said, handful of teams that play four games this week. Seattle is one of them. See if you can pick up a guy like Jared McCann. I know he's available in some uh, leagues not as deep as ours. Sprong, I've been holding on to. He's been pretty good for me and uh, some other guys as well. So there you go. That's my portion of the fantasy corner. Perfect. Yeah, looking forward to our matchup this week. And uh, I I can't believe how nice you were about it going into this matchup. I thought it was going to be like, I'm going to... (laughs) <laughs> F and crush you this week and um but anyway things are going good for my squad right now three wins in a row and uh I, i'm sorry to our buddy jeffrey the the dirty birdies but i absolutely clobbered him last week it was <laughs> it was 214 to 171 Holy. i was never i was never worried at all and uh i had a lot of big performers because usually like it's the same cast of characters it's a couple of guys but um it just uh, three guys of note Pierre-Luc Dubois who's been great for me all season of course on the Winnipeg Jets Zach Hyman and Kalen Addison a really um underrated rookie who's having a good season with the Minnesota Wild who's really gotten it together all over 20 points last week for me and uh another good waiver claim for me as well as uh phoenix copley who's been lights out for the la kings the last little bit as well so things are going good for the sunnyville hockey club right now eight and five in a playoff spot as you mentioned tough matchup obviously this week but looking to keep it going and uh yeah things are things are all good i uh definitely have been a lot more into fantasy this year than i was last year and i'm having fun with it and it's good to see a bit of team success as well so looking forward to our matchup this week but uh, it's it's gonna be tough i love it man 214 points in our league which is a, a 20 team league is uh pretty solid like i'm just looking here 
Uh, Kuznetsov's third line had 257. Uh, Hattrick Swayze, your brother, who is now in 12th, by the way. That's a bit tough. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to have to go have a conversation with him about that after we hop off here. Yeah, but he had 220, which was a big week for him. He just had a tough matchup as well. And then I had 231. Yeah. So, Harp, you were you had the fourth most points last week with 214. Like, that was a solid, solid week. And I'll say this, too. Playing the Dirty Birdies, uh, as you did last week, that's always a tough matchup because, uh, as we know, Jeffrey picked first overall, and guess who he picked? Surprise, surprise, Connor McDavid, who leads the NHL right now in goals, assists, and points, I'm pretty sure, at this current moment, so that's hilarious. (laughs) But last week, I was just looking at it, and Zach Hyman had more points than Connor McDavid, so... Those, you know, line mates, whether they play on the same line, I don't know, in the top six. I think they do in power play as well. Zach Hyman got more cookies than McDavid last week in fantasies. So I thought that was something uh, interesting to bring up. Absolutely. No, he's been uh, he's been great for me all season. So, yeah. And last thing I want to say, because this is, you know, we thought this was going to be a quick episode. That's kind of a long one. <laughs> But uh, I'll do the top five and bottom five just quick. Uh, number one in the league right now is Kuznetsov's third line. That's my buddy Jacob, 13-0, still undefeated. Uh, and just I've been chasing him now since ever since I lost my one uh, week. But I'm in second right now, multiple score gasms, 12-1-0. First in uh, total points four, I think I should mention that. Number three is no regretskis. Uh, that's Dylan Finley. Always has a good team in fantasy. He's 9-4-0. Pappy's Milk is number uh, four right now. That's our buddy Josh. He's 8-5-0. And Paul North Korea is uh, in fifth place right now. 8-5-0. So tied with you in in the record, but has more uh, total fantasy points. And that's Cameron, my brother-in-law. He Last Ah. year, he had one of the... um, I don't want to say worst teams, but worst records in fantasy because I don't think he was as on top of it setting his lineups and whatnot. But he's had a good season this year in fantasy, currently sitting in fifth uh, and in a playoff spot, of course, because the top eight make the playoffs. And then looking at the bottom of the league right now, wish Casey was on the podcast because he's been out of the playoff picture for a couple weeks now and he's sitting in 10th 7-6-0 is his record so I wanted to mention that Hattrick Swayze as we mentioned as well your brother is down to 12th um the Meatheads obviously uh one of the big talkers in the fantasy league uh they're in 13th right now under yeah, 500 the fr- the free fall under 500, 6, 7, and 0. And uh, now we'll do the bottom five. So in 20th, we have Eichel Tower, yet to win one week so far. That's my buddy John, 0, 13, and 0. He just learned how to set his lineups a few weeks ago, and I don't know if he's on top of it. But anyway, that's his record. In 19th, Jake Slam Dunk Team, 3, 10, and 0. Uh, that is our buddy Jake. Uh, 18, I took the walk to Poland, 3, 10, and 0 as well. Um, so they're sitting there. That's uh, uh, my buddy Colton. 17th, the Mail Order Brides. Corey Morell, the big Columbus Blue Jackets fan, has been up and down this season, but he does have three wins under his belt. And sitting in fifth last, Connor McJavids. That is my buddy Jay. And uh, his record is 4-9-0. and So those are the top five and bottom five in the league. And uh, it's been fun so far, but yeah, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Just wanted to mention uh, the standings quick. 
Sounds good. All right, looking forward to our matchup this week, and uh, thanks so much for listening to episode 154 of the podcast. We will be back with you next week. Have a good one, and talk to you again soon. Enjoy the hockey. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth.